Hello everyone, this is Christina and welcome back after our short break. In this first episode back, we have the absolute pleasure to share a conversation with Alison Torpy on trust. As Simon Sinek says, a team is not a group of people who work together. It is a group of people who trust each other. Trust is the cornerstone of any success in any relationship, especially in business. We met Allison a couple of years ago when she was about to move to Denver and reached out to me via LinkedIn as a fellow people consultant. We quickly bonded over our people and human focus in the consulting industry and have been connected ever since. Allison is one of those people who embodies trust in every action. She does so through her consistency, reliability, and human focus. What I like the most about Allison is that I can always count on her honesty, responsiveness, follow-through, and transparency. Allison has nearly 15 years of experience working in project and program leadership, change management, and business and people strategy roles, both internally at Propeller and at organizations of all sizes in a variety of industries, including consumer products and retail, renewables and utilities, and the public sector. Her passion for creating and maintaining high-performing teams, keen ability to make the complex seem simple, and refined business acumen has enabled her to drive results across all levels of the business. She excels at aligning divergent stakeholder groups to a common vision and driving teams forward to consistently exceed project expectations. In her current role, Allison is responsible for helping to stand up Propeller's Denver office by driving new business development and client acquisition, account management, recruiting, and talent development and management activities in the market. So let's get into our exploration of trust in the workplace with Allison. Welcome to Uncover the Human, where every conversation revolves around enhancing all the connections in our lives. Whether that's with our families, co-workers, or even ourselves. When we can be our authentic selves, magic happens. This is Christina Amigoni. And this is Alex Cullimore. Let's dive in. Authenticity means freedom. Authenticity means going with your gut. Authenticity is bringing 100% of yourself. Not just the parts you think people want to see, but all of you. Being authentic means that you have integrity to yourself. It's the way our intuition is whispering something deep-rooted and true. Authenticity is when you truly know yourself. You remember and connect to who you were before others told you who you should be. It's transparency, relatability, no frills, no makeup, just being. Hello and welcome back to this episode of Uncover the Human. Today we are joined with our guest, Allison Torpy. She's a consultant over at Propeller Consulting, which is, has a branch in Denver here. We've known Allison for a little bit now and she came on to discuss the world of trust. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. So let's dive right into it. You wanted to talk about trust. It's a great topic, very near and dear to our hearts as trying to talk more to humans and talk more to people. So what made you want to do that? What, make, what makes you think about trust? So I wrote this blog on trust for Propeller several years ago now, four or five years ago. And it just really spoke to me as something. It's why I joined the firm. It's something that's really important to me in the places that I work is having kind of surrounding myself with people that I trust and trust me. It makes the job, I think, just way more fun to be at and and work. You know, we spend a lot, at least I spend a ton of time at my job and I, I would prefer it to be fun and and work with people that I like and that I trust and that, you know, we can we can kind of build each other up and be there when we are sick or need help or whatever it is. I think that that camaraderie and teamwork is super important and that trust is the foundation of all of that. 
so just a topic that I'm pretty passionate in. I, and I try to employ it in my kind of leadership style as well. I like your immediate tie-in for uh, trust being a connector to just a good culture that people want to work in. Because I think that's uh, what people, I think, sometimes implicitly understand. But it's hard to, we don't always explicitly state that like this is a, a wonderful foundation for everything that people want to have. They want to have a fun workplace. They want to have that connection. Mm-hmm. They want to have the ownership, the trust, the autonomy. And that's mm-hmm. such a great underpinning that I think people kind of know, but rarely gets explicitly stated. Yeah, you know, I've had jobs before where I've been heavily micromanaged, and that is not how I work best. It um, does not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Help with trust. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. And that's like the kind of boss they're like, oh my, holy cow, like just let me do my thing. Like tell me, you, like let's align on where we want to go yes. as, as a pair or as a group. And then let me go, like please. Yes. <laughs> um, and so that's why this is so important to me. I think people do their best work when they're given, again, you have alignment on direction, you're given the space to kind of figure it out and make it your own with the support that you that you need. You know, not everyone is ready to do it on their own the first mm-hmm. time, but you have to kind of trust them and be there to catch them, but let them figure it out and, and make it okay to fail. Let small yes. failures are good. Yeah. That's a good thing. Well, and the support is a big piece also from uh, access to whatever you need in uh, point of view. It's one thing to say, you know, here's the goal, go do it. But then you don't have the resources because it's like, oh, well, you don't have access to technology, people or information. I'm like, so I'm doing tea leaves, smoke signals. How how am I (laughs) supposed to get there? And on the flip side of that, the other side of the spectrum being full micromanagement where everything is dictated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we talk a lot about like just asking good leading questions. You know, there's a time and a place to be sort of directive with Mm -hmm. folks that report to you, but I always like to start from a place of asking leading questions, not, and not even like leading questions, but just like, have you thought of this or Mm -hmm. helping people think through and solve problems on their own? Because like, I'm not going to always be there. Like you have to teach people how to do things on their own Mm -hmm. and figure it out for themselves and up-level them as you're up-leveling yourself. And I think all of that, like to trust is foundational to all of that. I like that strategy. I hadn't really thought of the the connection before. But when you ask the questions and you teach people to think about the questions rather than just learning they go to you for an answer, that's a, it's a mm-hmm. good way of just, yeah. okay, well, what questions are you going to ask in the future? Mm-hmm. And if I'm on vacation, what happens? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, and to that point, like, like, here we are going into a long weekend. But, you know, like, I go on vacation and yeah. I like to not have to check in. And so mm-hmm. even then, like, it, that can be extraordinarily hard for people to actually check out and mm-hmm. actually be on vacation. But the world will keep spinning if you're out and mm-hmm. you just have to trust your teams to do the right thing and make the right decisions. And hopefully you've been working with them and teaching them how to think on their own mm-hmm. before then so that you can really leave and feel like feel like everything's going to be okay when you go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember working with one of our former colleagues, actually, Alex, who was supposed to create this whole new process that was pretty high intensity, was customer related and needed to be presented to the executive team. And so he asked me, you know, like, can you help me with this? And, you know, we discussed that and we talked about it. And he's like, and by help, he didn't mean, can you just tell me what to do and do it for me? Or, (laughs) you know, or answer all my questions and just have it all mapped out. But it was mostly, can we sit in a room for half a day, Mm -hmm. which is typically how I work with teams. I don't really do things for them, but sit in a room for half a day or how many hours we need. And I can walk you through what I'm thinking and we can just mold it and change it together and see where the holes are, see where the gaps are. You can ask me questions. I can ask you questions. And so we did that. And after that, he was like, wow, that's exactly what I've been asking for for weeks (laughs) to be 
be able to do with somebody. It's like, I just think through my thoughts and feel that trust that I know what I'm doing. I just need a sounding board and somebody to be there and do it with me. Yeah. I mean, it's often the case, Christina, to your point, that like people, people know what to yeah, do. Yeah. They're just not always confident yeah. in themselves enough to like mm-hmm. put it on paper and get started and, mm-hmm. and just trust their gut. Mm-hmm. And just being there as a sounding board for them to validate, yeah. like you got this, yeah. you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. It can be super helpful. So you mentioned that you joined Propeller and you, you liked the idea that this firm had a lot of trust, had a lot of ability to let you run these things. What are good strategies you've seen as far as uh, you know what, either what you like about working there or what you work on in your own work when you're uh, delegating to teams or talking to your team? Mm-hmm. What helps yeah. with trust? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is from the top. Our leadership leads with authenticity and transparency and humility and all of those like honesty. So they're, they're like, they show up as real people. And it's, that's a lot easier when we were a smaller, you know, I was the 21st hire when I joined Propeller and now we're 150 people. So it's a lot easier to like know everyone one-on-one and their families and their pets and their kids and all that (laughs) stuff. And, you know, we still try to do that. And I do that with my team and the folks that I work closely with, of course, but I can't do that for everyone anymore. But in any case, I, I think that our senior leadership has done a really good job of continuing to kind of model that, like, I'm a real person who has real feelings and real like I make mistakes too and therefore it's okay that you make mistakes and I think that's something that I've just seen really clearly in the leadership here ever since I've joined and then and then as I you know I try to model the things that I like right in my leaders and so I try to show up in that way with my teams as well yeah that's such a key piece and I like the the human the emotions I'm an emotional being I make mistakes (laughs) yeah there's no like perfect ivory tower that I'm sitting on (laughs) And the transparency and the honesty. I mean, everything you said is how you build trust. Do you have any other techniques or, you know, especially with new hires, when somebody comes in at the beginning, what's the, I guess, the process, if you have one, to create that trust? Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting question because we hire, we only hire like 1% of the people that apply to our firm. So it's pretty hard to get in the door. But once you are here, we, we... automatically we're like we trust you you're super solid we hired you for a reason and and it can actually be really difficult like most people don't come from places that treat you like that (laughs) and it can be really difficult to get people to believe that that they have that trust and that space and that freedom and you don't have to like ask me permission to take a sick day. You know, you just have to like tell me that you're not going to be in today. <laughs> That's it. Like there's even stuff like super simple like that, I think is something that that I find myself just reassuring new hires mm-hmm. that, you know, look, like we're all adults. We all have jobs. As long as you do your job, <laughs> like, that's fine. I don't care if you have to go to the dentist for two hours this morning, or you want to take a couple days off to go visit your grandma, like just put in the PT, mm-hmm. like make sure that your project is covered mm-hmm. <laughs> and make sure you're getting your job done. But like, other than that, you, you know, so I think that's a very fundamental thing. The other thing that we, we face a lot at Propeller is imposter syndrome. So, you know, I mentioned we only hire about 1% of the people that apply Mm -hmm. and, you know, you go on our website and we have every single person at our company. So right now, I think as we scale, this probably won't happen Mm -hmm. at some point, but right now everyone has a bio that Mm -hmm. talks about their, both their professional and their personal sort of interests to some extent. And everyone has like so many weird and strange and cool (laughs) and diverse experiences that it, it can be really intimidating to join a group of people that is so just like unique. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and to feel like, how do how, like, what am I doing here? How do I fit in? And so I think there's an element of tr- like trusting yourself, trusting in each other. We're all a team. Like we hired you for a reason can take some coaching with new hires to answer your question. That definitely makes sense. I like the idea of the uh, imposter syndrome as well, because that ends up being so powerful in both being able to trust yourself and then feeling like you're trusted or feeling yeah. like you didn't just, you know, get lucky, get through the door, whatever it is. It's a challenging, uh, just internal mindset, but especially after like a rigorous interview process, like, man, I mean, I made it through that, but <laughs> I hope, I hope it was right. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you don't trust yourself, you're not going to speak up and contribute. You know, we hire folks with really diverse backgrounds for a reason. And we want you all to, con- we want everyone to contribute and add value in their own unique, diverse way. And if you're too kind of scared to do that because you don't think you fit in, then that's not doing any of us any good. I like that you mentioned you also have like a personal half of your bio too, because that one feels yeah. like one of the missing pieces. Sometimes everybody talks about, well, this is what I do here. This mm-hmm. is my background from other jobs, mm-hmm. but it's rare to get to see, especially publicly, more of the, what we might call the private side of it, you know, the the, the life side yeah. of work mm-hmm. life. <laughs> but it's one that uh, I think that definitely, for me anyway, has felt like it builds trust when you can see like, oh yeah, these people they have lives outside of this. They have other interests. They're willing to express that. We don't have to just talk about work. We can, we can actually relate and just say, "Hey, I'm having a bad day because my, you know, my dog's not doing well." And it's, you know, you can talk about your dogs, talk about whatever, whatever connects you to, you know, being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely humans. We're humans first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've I've heard. Um, I remember when I was in business school, we talked a lot about like it's not work life balance, it's work life integration was yes. the new buzzword. Yes. But I think it's like it's kind of true. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't mind it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I spend a lot of time working in the evenings after dinner, mm-hmm. and I also spend time in the days in the winter going for runs yeah. in the afternoon because that's the only time it's nice to yeah. do that. <laughs> but you know, it's all just about like what you know. Everyone has things they need to do, whether it's like picking your kids up at school or dealing with a sick dog, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone has other stuff going on and other hobbies. And it's important. We believe really strongly in not just like working for the sake of like, you're not living to work, you're working to live. And there's other stuff going on and you have to make the time for it. Otherwise you'll burn out. Very true. How has the pandemic influenced how you build trust in your teams and as a culture maintain it? (laughs) Yeah, it's different. It's different for sure. I mean, I've been out here and like for me personally, I've been in Denver kind of a little bit more solo for a while. So it's it's not impacted me personally so dramatically, honestly. Mm-hmm. I've had to figure out ways of working effectively with folks being in a different place than them for anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I had a little bit of an advantage there. But yeah, there's there's definitely an element of like how do you build teams with people? Like how do you build camaraderie and mm-hmm. team how do you build that trust with people that you've never met, like actually looked in the eyes? <laughs> um, so yeah, we do a lot of, we do a lot of like virtual team building events and just like the Denver team has a weekly standup where we just get together and chit chat about our dogs and our, like, what hike are you going on this weekend? And what brewery did you try out? Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like, like whatever. <laughs> it's just, we talk about whatever and not work ex- mm-hmm. explicitly not work. Like I think that stuff is really important. It just, you have to, it, with the, everything being virtual, things are just a little bit more, I don't want to say forced, but like you have to be more formal or structured about how some of this stuff happens because previously you could just run into, you just mm-hmm. saw people yes. and you just talked to them. <laughs> it wasn't, you didn't have to think about it or be intentional about it. And now you just, you have to be far more intentional, but that's not to say that it's like 
harder or different or not as effective. I, I think we've been making it work for the last year and a half. Yes. I, and I know certain people are much more extroverted and are maybe really looking forward to getting back in person. And then there's the people on the polar opposite extreme of that spectrum. But I think just being thoughtful and respectful of all the different kind of personality styles as well has been really important and trying to make space for all those different types of folks to show up in the way and, and engage in the way that is most valuable and meaningful for them. I really love what you said about it being so intentional, because I think that's one takeaway we can all take from the pandemic, whichever direction we go, if people go more towards you know hybrid or in office or in between, there's that it has had to be so much more intentional while being remote, but you can carry that over whether you're doing remote or not. And especially where most companies seem to be going towards the hybrid model, I think that intention is going to be particularly important. If, you, if you're very focused about it and just willing to make the effort that we all had to make during the, uh, during the fully remote forced yeah. pandemic time, <laughs> then it's a little easier to integrate the team. And, and I, I like what you said about there being like the introverts and extroverts because there's people who want, who even you know, in an in-person situation wouldn't get to interact as much. And if you're intentional and, and creating those spaces where remotely everybody's going to join in and just talk about life or talk about things outside of work, that's a great example of just, hey, let's, uh, let's all just even where, wherever you are and your comfort with continually talking to people, this is a good way to just intentionally allow people to have a space to share it without solely relying on coincidental water cooler conversations. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I've seen some teams do really effectively is like the hand rate. Like it can actually be, I think, you know, as hard as it is for introverts to interact in an in-person group setting, Mm -hmm. I actually think like in some cases it's harder virtually, Mm -hmm. you know, what if there's like an internet leg or you're kind of like stepping on someone and you can't read body signals as well. Mm -hmm. I've seen teams use that like teams, Microsoft teams, I know has this like hand raise Mm -hmm. feature. And I've seen groups use that really effectively just to make sure that you're involving everyone because it can be so easy to just only... And this was the case before the pandemic, but it can be so easy to just totally disregard the quieter Mm -hmm. people in the room. (laughs) Yeah. I think I saw that on a Zoom call too, where people were raising their hands and I was like, oh, I got to figure out how to do that. Especially so that Alex and I can stop interrupting each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things that I do with one of my other teams now is we'll we'll like slack each other off on the side. We like, okay, okay you can chime in now, okay. or you know, which actually in that case, that's actually more effective than being like you're not like that'd be the the equivalent of like kicking someone into the table, like it's yes. like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it's a yeah, kick with a message. Kick yeah. with a message, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the voluntold. I've done that on Zoom meetings where, because we couldn't figure mm-hmm. out the hand thing. And so like, okay, you know, we're going to ask for volunteers. And if nobody speaks up, we're going to start calling on people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So some of the things that I've noticed is when trust is actually lacking or there are gaps. Mm-hmm. So trust, I, f- I find it sometimes it's one of those things that's kind of like music in the restaurant. If it's good, it's the right, you know, if it's right volume and type of music and sound, you don't notice it. But when it's missing or <laughs> you definitely notice it because you walk in and you're like, well, what's, what's wrong with this place? Why, why is it so silent? And I can hear my fork, you know, hitting my teeth. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you've noticed that are showing lack of trust? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a tension, like it, like a palpable tension in the room. I think it's the the first thing that comes to mind. Another one that you know I'm, I'm always kind of keeping an eye out for is 
Like if, if you're on a team engagement, mm-hmm. like working in a team on anything, we should all be able, like certainly everyone is owning their own sort of mm-hmm. work tracks or, or whatever it is that they're responsible for. But we should all be able to like not be there and have someone yes. else pick up or yeah. fill in the gaps. Yeah. And so I'm always watching for the lack of willingness to do that. Mm-hmm within my teams? And then why? Is it because we haven't trained up the other people on the team to do this thing? Is it Mm -hmm. because you feel too much ownership and control? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a zillion reasons why it could be, but, but the first kind of problem to answer your question or like lack of trust, I I think like most, it's a trust in something. If this person isn't capable, I need to do it. I'm the only one that knows how I don't want to have to redo it after the other person does it the Mm -hmm. way that I don't want to, you know, it done. But I think in those cases, it's most often driven by trust. So that's the other, that's something that I'm constantly just sort of like keeping an eye out for. That's a really good way of measuring it. I like that. Just can other people pick it up and are they willing to? Mm-hmm. That does speak to the idea of trust kind of being an accelerant, if you will, mm-hmm. on being able to do things. I mean, if you think about it, if you're, if you're about to email somebody you don't trust or you don't uh, have a good connection yeah. with, yeah, it might take longer to phrase that. It might take longer mm-hmm. to decide to do that. Or you might decide to avoid the contact altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, point, which you know. is the worst yes. thing is avoidance, right? <laughs> yes. For sure. No, that's exactly it. You start to avoid that. Now mm-hmm. you've slowed down the whole team. Either you're delaying yeah. it or you're just entirely avoiding it and creating problems for yourself down the road. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. Like, I, I think the evidence of very strict silos, that's when you're going to lack tr- trust is not existing because mm-hmm. nobody can really be off. How can you be on vacation if you're so siloed and nobody can pick up where you've left off? Which goes exactly. back to you're missing communication. Somebody's either hoarding information or not feeling they can share it or not feeling capable of any of the things that you've listed or all of them all at once. Could be all. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't get to the point where it's all because then we as yes. leaders have done something wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. Something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think to that point, though, it's super important. You know, as we're kicking off with a new, as any time I'm kicking off with a new mm-hmm. team, it's always like, how do you, how do I work? How do you work? How do we mm-hmm. want to communicate? How do we want to give each other feedback? Mm-hmm. And and it's not always the same. Like just because mm-hmm. I'm always the constant in the room doesn't mean that every team that I'm always on is mm-hmm. going to operate in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to be open to that like open to working within different kind of ways of working and different ways of trusting people and engaging and, and whatnot and showing up. And some people are like, just want to get straight down to business. And some people love the chit chat and some people love to like the collaboration. And some people just want you to do your stuff and hand it over and you're ready for a review. But like, you never know that mm-hmm. until you talk to someone yes. about that. <laughs> and so I think that's where it all starts. It has to start yes. from just like open dialogue yeah. and being comfortable with like the norming, forming, what is that? T- phases of being a team (laughs) but starting with the storming yeah storming norming being comfortable with being in that phase like that's just normal which gets skipped so often like i have you know most of the times i've been in teams where it's just kind of like here you're a team because you're all in the same spreadsheet and i'm like yeah but (laughs) how do we communicate oh however you want okay how do others like to be communicated (laughs) with (laughs) oh however they want okay can we (laughs) actually talk through this (laughs) So that if I send an email and I don't get an answer for two days, I know what to do next. (laughs) Because this person doesn't. It can feel like a waste of time at the beginning. It always does, Mm -hmm. but it always saves you time in the end. Always. Because you're not wondering, what do I do if I didn't get an answer back for my email? Exactly. You know, am I allowed to ask a question or am I going to be shut down if I ask questions? Mm -hmm. Because that's the rule for the team. 
don't, yeah. don't ask questions. <laughs> I, will be <laughs> I love that uh, idea of just asking the questions about people, but it does require an amount of self-awareness of like, how do I yeah. communicate? So I'm just curious how those conversations go. If somebody hasn't considered those uh, as much for themselves, do you give them like ideas of how, you know, what might work for them? Do you have ideas in your head of different styles you've seen that you can help like guide them with? I don't know. Does this work for you? And what, what does that look like? Yeah. I think for folks that really are new to those, these kinds of, like, I'll always ask open-ended question, ask first. I'm happy to do whatever, as long as we have some sort of alignment on how we're engaging. But if I don't get a good response or that question is confusing, then I'll say like, okay, well, here's what I, you know, mm-hmm. how I've found things to work and suggest something. How does that sound? Do you have any like suggestions, thoughts, feedback, things you'd like to do different? And that's where we talk about like the like the leadership styles from being very kind of like open and supportive mm-hmm. to all the way from that that side of it to being much more directive and prescriptive. Mm-hmm. I always start with the open and supportive mm-hmm. side of things and then and kind of like like begrudgingly almost like work my way down the scale of being like it's not fun for either party to be super prescriptive and directive right it's not and sometimes you have to like and you have to be self-aware enough as a leader to know Mm -hmm. when you have to engage in that way or on the flip side just like the whole point of this conversation like some leaders just start that like only live there and that's not a like you know those people have to be self-aware enough to to kind of come out but yeah, I, I I always like to start by asking, and then of course, like here's what I've I've seen I've done that's enough that I can say here's what mm-hmm. I've seen work in the past, and here's how I prefer to work. How does that sound to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the blog post you just wrote, actually, Alex. Are you prescribing or supporting? Mm. No, yeah. And so, which really revolves all around that. It's like, are you just walking in and telling people what to do, or? Asking just one first question and then doing, you know, 20 minutes of lecture on what they should do based on what you want them to do? Or are you actually (laughs) helping them come up with the answers and figuring out at which point, you know, does the balance of, or here's a suggestion, which is more on the prescribing things versus let me just help you process all on your own. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point. I like the idea of having that conversation up front with people. And I suppose there's uh, probably some back and forth. You're talking about starting from like the open-ended question and moving towards the like, well, if I have to, I'll I'll be a little bit more directive about this. Mm -hmm. And then I suppose it would have to go eventually the other way, as long as the person develops and feels more comfortable, then you'd have to, you know, realign yourself and pull yourself back out of directive to be like, okay, and we're back up to (laughs) open-ended questions. Right. Because the goal, at least my goal is always to be pushing people to grow like Mm -hmm. in their own professional development. Right. And mm-hmm. this is something that I always, I always start, but like, this is how I prefer to manage, like, would love to know, like, how aggressively do you want me to be doing this? I yes. think I need to be doing it to some extent, but mm-hmm. different people want to be growing quicker than others. Right. Yeah. But my goal is always to be kind of like pushing you sort of just at your edge yeah. because otherwise none of us are growing. Mm-hmm. And to my point earlier, like I need you to be growing so that I can grow because yes. if I'm having to do your job, yes. then I can't do the things that I want to be doing. So it's, it's a win-win for all of us, I think, but if you're not giving people the space, like the nudge, some people need to be nudged harder than others too. Some people are just uncomfortable where they're at and being comfortable, but then want to grow. But like that, I think that one of the podcasts I listened to of yours previously was all about that, like being comfortable sort of with that, un- like getting comfortable yes. with being uncomfortable. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that's super hard. And it takes yeah. a lot of work to yeah. do something new and different and harder and bigger and what or whatever, like achieve a hard mm-hmm. goal. 
and that doesn't come naturally to most people. And mm-hmm. so that I like, I almost see that as my job as being like, come on, like, <laughs> you're kind of the coach, you're the push, you're the nudge. Yeah. And again, like different people need to be nudged, want to be nudged mm-hmm. harder mm-hmm. and different other people need to be nudged harder. Yeah. <laughs> and to your, your thesis on trust, that's exactly where it starts from. You, if, yes. if you're going to get nudged, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to be nudged by somebody you trust. Yes. You know, how hard it yeah. is yeah. will depend on yeah. like, if, if somebody pushes very hard out of nowhere, but you trust the person, you're like, okay, there's probably, there's probably a reason for this. It's less defenses get pulled up. It's a little easier mm-hmm. to uh, just have that conversation and make that push. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I was going to say the same thing. It's like, you can get comfortable with being uncomfortable more often when you know there's a basis of trust without trust you're gonna stay in your comfort zone (laughs) yeah or just be uncomfortable all the time (laughs) or just hate life all the time because you're like okay you know i'm I'm on my own here all the time and that's not sustainable you have to have the trust that you're not on your own that you can make the mistake which brings back to something you said at the beginning allison it's like mistakes yeah the nudge doesn't work if you're not if you don't believe that it's okay if you make mistakes Definitely. You have to be able to make mistakes to keep going. Mm-hmm. There was an emphasis more, I don't know, it was, it was in a few circles, at least professionally, there was emphasis a few years back on work to get yourself out of a job, basically. Like do do enough mm-hmm. that like your job is no longer necessarily required. But I really like what you uh, said, Allison, about, well, my work is to develop you so that we can both do this, right? I mean, not, not only am I working to put myself out of a job, I'm working to make sure you put yourself out of a job. <laughs> I will develop you out of your own job so that we can all grow. I like that idea of uh, both trust yeah. and leadership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as consultants, like that should come more naturally yes. to us just generally. Like we never want to be around for that. Like once something's operationalized, like it is our job <laughs> to work ourselves out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> but then beyond that, you know, you have to be thinking about your, yourself mm-hmm. and your professional development as well. So it's kind of like a twofold thing as like in our line of work in yes, consulting. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's different layers yeah. of it. Well, which is very interesting because at times you are kind of stuck in this dichotomy of in my work, you know, I work myself out of a job because that's what consultants do. You go in, you fix, you right. solve, you create. And exactly. then once it's all set up, you leave because somebody else is going to be the one coming in and actually making it run every single day. And at the same time, there's definitely indications and both Alex and I have experienced this as like, personally, I'm supposed to be doing the same thing all the time with every single client, with every single project. And God forbid, I actually want to do something else or grow because then I'm out of my silo. I'm out of my swim lane. And so it's very hard because it's not in our personality to want to do the same thing over and over and over, which is why we're so good at consulting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep, for sure. So when it comes to developing people, you, I mean, you got some of the people trying new things. They're gaining some trust maybe internally. There's such an important portion of consulting and just relationships in general when you get to client facing. How do you see trust in those interactions where you're, you're actually dealing with uh, other people and working like you're developing your team? They're trying something new, but they're trying it on an active client. <laughs> yeah, that is that really like? scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, right. Because if they do make a mistake, like that, and the client sees it, then my, my, like, my gosh, like our whole job is to serve, serve clients, yeah. right? That's what we do. For, that's how we get paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I still think everything I've said, it still applies and is still true. I think the difference is in asking really good questions. So if I'm someone's performance manager and they're at the client side doing something that's new and challenging for them, it's my job to be asking the right questions to see 
something that they might not be seeing that might like, I want to be able to catch something that might go wrong before it goes wrong so that the client doesn't have it, see it go wrong. That's super hard to do. And we're constantly like working on that as a leadership team and thinking about different ways of like, there's a skill to asking good questions Mm -hmm. and uncovering things. Because if you ask a consultant, what do you think is going to go wrong next? Mm -hmm. Like actually probably they don't, they don't know. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like they're lying to you. They just actually don't know. And so then, then it's like my job now to be asking good questions and listening for the right mm-hmm. things or like indicators or signs of things potentially going wrong or mm-hmm. like, oh, that's, that's a little bit interesting that your sponsor didn't show up or your sponsor said this thing yes. or, you know, didn't respond in this way to your, your deliverable or, mm-hmm. you know, like things like that, that maybe they're just not even seeing or thinking of. And that's where it becomes really tricky mm-hmm. because we're not always on site with our consultants. More often than not, we're not. Mm-hmm. And the clients are never going to be incentivized to give us like direct feedback really Mm -hmm. until it's like this person needs to get out of here and and then uh, you never (laughs) want to be in that place (laughs) so it's it's a super tricky position to be in for sure it's how are you asking the right questions of the client how are you asking the right questions of the consultant and how are you supporting and kind of like looking several steps ahead Mm -hmm. way further than the consultant is looking to try to mitigate as much of that risk as, as possible I like that speaks to the uh, idea of developing your own experience. I mean, you have to develop that body of like, okay, I've seen this go wrong before. Mm-hmm. I see yeah. these as indicators. I know, mm-hmm. you know where that might lead if they're saying something like this. And it kind of speaks to how trust works too. These are both just ideas that develop over time and you have to allow the time to do that. I think Christina was saying, you can't just throw somebody in a room and be like, you guys are both on the same spreadsheet under HR <laughs> department. So you're now, you trust each other, right? We're done. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so yeah. I really like the idea of remembering to take some patience for that too, mm-hmm. because trust takes some time to develop. And mm-hmm. so does just experience so you can trust yourself, frankly, and, and other people can trust you. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like a lot of, and I, I don't mean to stereotype, but you know, I work with a lot of like engineering minded folks who perhaps don't see as much value in team building activities and things like that. But you know, to, to like this whole conversation, it's so important to mm-hmm. know someone Mm-hmm. Because when the rubber hits the road and you need to move fast, and you need to make quick decisions, yes. you need to be in a place where you trust your team and yeah. the people you're working with. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to take the time, whether it's formally or informally or however mm-hmm. you want to do it. It doesn't yeah. matter. I don't care, but it needs to be done. Yes. <laughs> and that's part of the like team building yeah. bit of it is you just like you have to get to know the people you're working yeah. with to some extent to build that to be effective. You'd mentioned it earlier that it feels like a waste of time sometimes mm-hmm. when you people are onboarding and you do this and, and people can easily be like, well, I'm not going to spend hours on that. I have, mm-hmm. you know, quote, real work to be doing. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it's interesting is like, I, I understand the impulse mm-hmm. definitely comes comes on strong where you're mm-hmm. like, I've got, you know, I've got a client that needs something. I've got whatever, whatever mm-hmm. fire breathing down my neck. But I always wonder how effective it would be to try and sell people on the idea of you want to get the work done but it might be more effective if we have this as a team. And it's a hard sell because it's sometimes hard Mm -hmm. to point to the facts of doing this other than we kind of know that it feels better and we can trust each other and and, and work smoothly. So Mm -hmm. are there ways that you found of like basically pitching that idea that this is an important part of if you want to get the work done, this is a part of that? Because it sounds like you're doing that with a lot Mm -hmm. of your own personal leadership style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, as you were saying that, I was just thinking to like bigger picture Christina and I have talked about this a lot. Is like, how do you even just sell clients on like change management? (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm going through this right now with a client where they're like, yeah, I obviously see the value in keeping the data, like the data resources and the the but the people, like, we'll just tell them what to do. Like, buddy, like that's not actually going to be effective. (laughs) 
like the job market is super hot yeah. people feel like they're being dictated to they yeah. even find another job that's better yeah. and probably pays better and they yeah. have like i have has a better culture or maybe it doesn't and then they just go to another job yeah. like you don't have to stay in a job for 30 years like you did you know mm-hmm. 20 years ago yeah. so i think there's there's an element of the proof is in the pudding though yeah. is where yeah. i found it to be the most effective to sell mm-hmm. this stuff where if you can do some sort of proof of concept or pilot mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, but somehow like do it and infuse it in a project. And then like, lo and behold, my project went better than your project. Yes. And why was that? It was <laughs> yeah. because we did team building activities yes. and we used change management techniques and selling through proof. Yes. I think is much easier than selling just theoretically. Yeah. Change management is a good idea sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. We could do a whole other podcast on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and whenever I think about that, I always think about like, okay, so given that you're taking the humans out of this, are you expecting your desks and chairs to run this company? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's pretty much what that decision means. But that's, yeah. I actually read yeah. the, a quote this morning by Dave Ramsey, who reminds me of what we're talking about, especially in the, you know, thinking ahead and a few steps ahead and trying to, you know, ask the right questions so that you can prevent things from happening or focusing not just on the smoke in front of you, but on the forest fire that you're ignoring behind you, mm-hmm. uh, which is where the smoke is coming from. But he actually says, almost all long-term thinking has short-term pain and almost all short-term thinking has long-term pain and short-term relief. And I find the, yeah. the team building is that. Yeah, yeah. I know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, visualizing the timelines now. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, relief, long pain, <laughs> pain, long relief. But that's the team building thing. It's like, okay, go through the time, go through the pain of investing in team building at the beginning so that you can have the long-term relief. Exactly. Yeah. It oftentimes takes more time to do the thing that will make things easier mm-hmm. in the long run. But that's never, that's like, it's hard. It's, yes. it's super hard to set aside the time to do the thing you know you have to do to make things easier for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It is very hard. But that's definitely how you build trust. I mean, even simple things like, let me help you do it or show you how to do it instead mm-hmm. of do it for you. And yes, it's going to take me having to show you five, seven, 10, 15 times. And then you're done for the next two years, as opposed to me having to do it for the next two years, because every time <laughs> I'm the one doing it. I was just thinking of that when you're talking about people, especially with like change management, like people like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go change the data platform. We see the benefit of that. And then I'm just going <laughs> to tell people what to do. And it's kind of hilarious, like reversal since technology is specifically it's code. I mean, you, you, you tell it what to do and it will do those things. <laughs> that, yeah, that, exactly. That's where that one lies. People are distinctly <laughs> not the same. But on the flip side, it's kind of funny you mentioned like the increases you get by like taking the time, like I'll, I'll walk you through how to do this mm-hmm. because then, you know, the next 10 times it comes up, hey, I won't have to do it because that that hilariously is kind of like automating anything in technology. You you take the time to go build the automation and now you're done. <laughs> Maybe if it, if it helps the metaphor, if, if the technology is the comfortable place we can yes. live in, 
Maybe that's yeah, that's leadership development. <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah, and then I well, what I was gonna say, and I think this still actually works with your metaphor. So I think that so we've been talking a lot about like teaching them how to do it, like showing someone how to do it. Mm-hmm. But I actually think like the which is the coding the machine yeah. to do yeah. the thing. But I think the next level up mm-hmm. and like actually exactly where data is too. Mm-hmm. So this is like this is why I was like I think a metaphor actually still works. It works perfectly. <laughs> is like actually what we want to be doing is teaching people how to think. Yes. Which is what AI and machine learning yes. is too. Yeah. So I think telling them what to do, yeah. showing them what to do, and then yeah. teaching them how to think and do it for themselves yes. and figure it out for next time. So then, then they, don't, they need you even less yeah. is actually the goal. Then you've worked yourself out of a job. <laughs> and then you really even, then you can go just drink uh, margaritas exactly. on the beach. Okay. Then, then you can go to Fiji yeah. and you're all set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm hung up on this uh, machine learning one. So this one could get uh, a little long-winded. Please cut me off if this continues. But I love the (laughs) idea of the machine learning metaphor because there's two faults generally in machine learning models. You're trying to like get it to predict some kind of behavior. And you can either do that if you go way too far, you get overfitting where you're just like, you've got a model that perfectly fits your test data, but it won't fit in the real world. So it's just like, crazy squiggly line to try and capture every dot, which very much feels like micromanagement. You're like, I'm going to capture every single one of these things. But if a new dot comes along, like we're gonna have to rewrite everything to do that again. Or you underfit and you're just kind of guessing and it's, uh, it's not particularly close most of the time. Yeah, well, I don't know, I guess, as much about machine learning as you do, but that does make <laughs> sense. <laughs> like I said, stop me on that stop me before it goes long. But that's uh, the idea. Just, you know, if you're trying to like draw a line that fits mm-hmm. a bunch of points, you either like try and fit it well to the general trend or you go way too far and you fit it to every single point and it never it doesn't really apply to anything. Anymore. It's not good. For, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And that's why I think like our model of consulting is we're generalists, like we're Mm -hmm. problem solvers rather than I'm an expert in, you know, implementing this specific solution Mm -hmm. for in health, like large healthcare organizations. Like those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. And so our kind of model of consulting relies on teaching people how to think and business acumen, problem Mm -hmm. solving, critical thinking, pattern recognition, to your point about this machine learning, like we're not actually doing the same thing over and over, but better and better. Yeah. We're doing different things yes. and we're, we're leveraging patterns and past experiences yes. to do them better. Yeah. Which is really how you I do guess. successful change management. I mean, I, you yeah. know, some of the guaranteed failures of change management <laughs> are the projects where you walk in and they're like, okay, yeah, just give me the, the formula. And I'm like, well, I actually have to learn what's going on first. I can't give you the formula. <laughs> I mean, that's the beautiful thing about people is that they're, it's never going to be, even if you have yeah. the same people, the yes. same company, like the it's output and the specific circumstances yes. is never going to be the same. No. Yeah. So you got to talk to the people, ask the questions. Yeah. You know, that's one of the, now the most successful projects are the ones at least from a change management perspective and a people perspective, which unless again, you take the people out of the projects, I don't know how they could be successful without the people part, but. The most successful ones is when you spend like your first week, two, five, six, whatever, however many weeks it is asking the questions and listening Mm -hmm. and understanding, you know, in the, you know, the project that we did at the end of the year last year, we had planned for 10 interviews to kind of get us, you know, in the discovery phase. I think we ended up doing 45, (laughs) but that's what we needed (laughs) because we needed to learn more. We needed to understand, oh, your specific case is very different from their specific case even though it's the same question. And it also, that's when you also need the different perspectives and different experiences in the room to hear that 
because it may be the same question by the same person, but the answers are going to be very different. And you're not just brought in just at the end for training. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's guaranteed failure. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We did, we did all this now just train and communicate. I'm like, train what and communicate what to whom? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. (laughs) Not code, not zeros and ones. (laughs) I like that idea of questions as building trust. Because if you think about like the requirements portion of any project, you ask a lot of questions because you want to be able to cover mm-hmm. it. But that also creates the trust from the client, from all mm-hmm. the different people, because then they know, look, I've, I've had a chance to express my concerns. Like I'm, I'm going to allow that to be like, okay, I, I believe this probably will help me then. Or I believe this mm-hmm. project will you know, be beneficial, which is, is a huge portion of change management is getting people to kind of buy into like, mm-hmm. yes, this is going to help us. That's why we're doing this. And yes, we're all going to have to slow down a little bit and answer a lot of questions to get there. Yeah. Then you're just, you have to make sure that you actually follow through on doing yes. something with their feedback, <laughs> listening and not doing anything with it. It's actually worse. It turns out. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> now you just wasted my time. Yeah. We care about your opinion and yeah. we're going to take it and flush it down the toilet. So exactly. <laughs> lots of trust, yeah. lots of trust all around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Delayed trust bomb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've been yeah. around that bomb a few times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've all have probably. Well, then it becomes harder to reassemble, right? Mm-hmm. Though, so they've they've given their opinion. They find out later it wasn't taken mm-hmm. into account. It's going to be much harder to ask them to give opinions or have them give you their time and for a services company by proxy then their money to continue to solve problems. Because like last time yeah. I gave you a bunch of information and it uh, seemed to go one ear out the other. Like, why would I spend this time mm-hmm. on this? Why would I trust this is going to be heard? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a lot longer to rebuild. You can break it. I don't know what that saying is. Yes. Break it in an instant and rebuild it in whatever, however long, a lot longer. Yes. <laughs> I've heard it attributed to Mark Twain. I have no idea, but I think it's just uh, like I trust runs away on a horse, but crawls back <laughs> and disappears very go. fast. But it takes a long time to build, build back. We'll go with Mark Twain. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the where I see the the breaking trust or the lack of trust. And breaking is definitely way worse than lack of trust from the beginning, is that you've not only broken the trust for this one instance, but now you've put into question everything in the past and the future. Mm-hmm. Because now you're always wondering like, hey, am I getting the full story here or am I getting 50% of the story? Oh, and can, you know, I was, since I was shut down for asking a question this time, what's going to happen the next time? And was I actually held back from a promotion because I was asking questions in the past? So everything just gets destroyed, really. Yeah, I think that well, you just brought up something that I don't think we've really touched on. We've been talking a lot more of like the leadership to the employee, mm-hmm. but you're mm-hmm. now talking about like the employee to the leader. Yeah. And like, if I'm asking questions or asking for help or making mistakes, mm-hmm. like how am I, what is the response that I'm yes. getting? And how am I as a leader mm-hmm. being intentional about how I'm showing, like, mm-hmm. So I could be having a terrible day mm-hmm. and you come to me with a question and I blow you off yes. and I don't even think twice about it. But for you, you're like, she hates me. Yes. She doesn't trust me, <laughs> yes. you know, and like, and being really thoughtful about every moment, every moment and mm-hmm. interaction that you have with an employee is a, is a usually a much bigger deal to them than it is to you. I, I think that's another element of trust that I, I don't think we've touched on yet. Mm-hmm. Just being thoughtful, like how you're showing up and responding to people. Yeah, I had a, a guest on that was kind of in the hospitality space and he was discussing how, you know, every 
as a person in hospitality, and in this case, that'd be like the leader, you deal with, you know, maybe tens to hundreds of customers mm-hmm. a day, maybe a, a week, whatever it is. So your interactions become feel feel more diluted. But for that customer, you're the one person mm-hmm. that they have seen, you are the one yeah. interaction. So for the employee, that's their one leader, that's their one boss. And it's it is much more intensive. And that's the one piece of the pie that we see from mm-hmm. that side. Yeah, I like the flipping the the coin, because that's usually, you know, a lot of what I think about when I try to build trust with teams, especially is how am I showing up? And I am going to show up on a bad day, guaranteed, (laughs) multiple times. But what's happening on the receiving end of that, and, you know, some of the coworkers we used to have, you know, used to come to me to Slack with any random question that I guarantee couldn't answer most of the times. But the beginning of coming to me was always, hey, Christina, coming to you because I know you're going to answer or you're going to at least help me with this while I'm getting ghosted by dot, 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 dot. <laughs> but that's where that trust was broken. And this is the opposite. The trust is built. And my answer, it's usually like, I have no idea, but let's go figure it out or go talk to this person and figure it out. Yeah. And I think what you, you just touched on a few really important things, Christina, which is if you are having a bad day, like acknowledging yes. that, yes. <laughs> like telling people yeah. friends, yes. before you do something obnoxious or that they'll like yes. remember forever. <laughs> and second, I think you mentioned just being available. Yes. I think that is huge. Like I'm always around. You can ping me anytime. Yes. I might be in meetings, but I will follow yes. up with you no matter what. And I will help you. And then third related is like, I probably won't know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> like I might, yeah. I might not, but I will help you figure yes. it out. And I will have a good idea of who to point you towards or mm-hmm. a resource to look at yes. or questions to ask you. And we can think about it ourselves. But, and I think all three of those things are, are showing humility and mm-hmm. transparency and authenticity. And I think that's like, all of those are super important and foundational in building trust. Yeah. And I do have to say the reason why Allison and I are very are still very much connected is because she is one of the few people with Alex too that always responds. I always I know that if I reach out, she will always respond, always be there. And it's huge. I think I floated about the eighty percent response rate on that. <laughs> the reliability is not huge. my strongest quality. <laughs> it's okay. I know where you live. <laughs> She'll come to your house. Yeah. <laughs> I know the names of your cats. We're good. <laughs> oh, that's serious. <laughs> if I call them, they'll come to me and I can kidnap it. So. <laughs> wow. And that is the other way to build trust. Uh, <laughs> kidnap your yes. <laughs> Somebody's pets. <laughs> then you know people will do what you want them to. <laughs> Yeah. We're, awesome. we're on the uh, yeah command the control line of leadership at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels a little different. So you mentioned that leadership really kind of boils down to this kind of trust and authenticity, which is a wonderful segue. One thing we love to ask people towards the end of the episode is, what does authenticity mean to you? And I'd love to get your perspective on that. Yeah. It's a big question. <laughs> that is a big question. I feel like we've touched on a lot of pieces of it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a lot of it is humility and being okay with saying, I don't feel good today. I'm having a bad day. I need your help. Can you help me? 
Yeah. I think it's just being real and being, Christina's used this term, like we're all human, like we're actually like whole people, (laughs) you know, I I like to run and I have two puppies and I have lots of things that I like to do. And I like to talk about that aren't business development or change management or, you know, like I like talking about those things too, but I also have lots of other hobbies and passions and interest areas. And I think that that's important to know about myself and make present and Mm -hmm. and know about other people too. Like I also like for sure I'm super cautious about being the leader who just ends up talking like everyone kind of knows like people like talking about themselves, but you don't want to be the leader who, you know, you show up in a one-on-one with your employees and they're they're just asking questions about you the whole time and you're like going on and on because this is great. They're talking about me. Like that's not the person I want to be either. So it's like finding that authenticity and like real building a real relationship. With everyone, like I'm, I'm actually, I call myself a closet introvert, you know, it's my job <laughs> to be fairly extroverted, but my nature mm-hmm. is actually to build stronger one-on-one mm-hmm. relationships. I think that that's where trust is. Trust is not built in group settings. Yes. It's built in one-on-one settings. And in our line of business, people buy work from people they trust and they yes. like. So it's not, not a bad yes. thing either, I don't think. <laughs> it's kind of necessary. <laughs> yeah, it's necessary. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question, but. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I think it's a good point on both on the, like a services model, but any model we buy from brands we trust, whether that's mm-hmm. uh, consultants yeah. or whether that's, you know, what brand of sneaker or what brand mm-hmm. of CRM we're going to go buy. Yeah. We, we buy from the places that we can trust or feel like we have a connection to. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we definitely do. And I love that quote that I will may have to steal and credit back to you. Trust is not built in groups. It's built one-on-one. And so if you don't... Quotable now. I love it. I'm sure there's a few more in this podcast. (laughs) You're the the beginning of your fame, Alison. Wow. All right. Got it. I'm good. Let's do it. Our podcast is the classic stepping off point to it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be the next uh, TED phenomenon. Wow. Okay. The bar is getting higher and higher now. (laughs) I like to do big, but I don't think I'm going to be the next head. (laughs) We'll see. Pushing, nudging you in that uncomfort zone. This comfort zone. You did it. That was a nudge. That was a good nudge. Yeah. So we've addressed the blog that you wrote, which I would definitely recommend people check out. We'll include that in the show notes, but is there anything else, anywhere else people would, could find you, would like to connect or find Propeller? Yeah, I'll share. I think I'll, I'll just share my LinkedIn profile and Propeller website. The other, it's referenced in my blog, but I will say the book by Patrick, I don't know how to say his last name. Lynchoni. Lynchoni. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's very, I was like, <laughs> Christina can help me here. <laughs> Fairly Italian. But uh, yeah, the book Getting Naked um, oh, yes. is all about like trust yes. and, human, and authenticity and transparency. I like, I read that one of the first days I started my job at Propeller and mm-hmm. I, I recommend it to all our new yes. hires. It's just a super inspiring book and uses story to mm-hmm. explain why putting yourself out there is so important yes. and can maybe slow you down at first, but mm-hmm. lead to really great things in the future. So, yeah. Nice. I love Yeah, I love that book. I read it three years ago, 2018. So yes, three years ago. And that's, that was kind of like the beginning of me like, oh, wait, that's how I want to do business. <laughs> yeah. It's that way. Yep. Yeah. It's a really good book. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Allison. This was a great conversation on one of my favorite topics, at least. Yeah. yeah thank you so much you. for joining. Yes. This was fun. Thank you so much. And thanks everybody for listening. Yes. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Uncover the Human. E siamo podcast. Special thanks to our podcast operations wizard, Jake Lara, and our score creator, Rachel Sherwood. If you have enjoyed this episode, please share, review, and subscribe. You can find our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love to hear from you with feedback, topic ideas, or questions. You can reach us at podcast at wearesiamo.com or at our website, wearesiamo.com, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. We Are Siamo is spelled W-E-A-R-E-S-I-A-M-O. Until next time, listen to yourself, listen to others, and always uncover the human.